everybody tonight. Hopefully you have your word. Uh, if you don't, it'll be on the screen. But go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 14. Tonight we will be in verses 27 uh, through 31. Mark 14 verses 27 through 31. And as we read our text uh, tonight, we will find the disciples facing a critical moment in their lives. Uh, we ended last week uh, with the 12 and Jesus sharing in the Lord's Supper. And we know what took place there. We know that basically Judas was called out. Uh, it was made known that one would betray the Lord. And we know that that was Judas. And now they are making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Completely unaware, the disciples completely unaware of what Jesus is soon to face. But the Lord knew exactly what he was doing. He knew what laid ahead of him. He knew what he was going into, so to speak. And one would think that by now, the disciples' walk with the Lord would be sure. It would be steady. It would be unshakable, right? And yet Jesus knows that these men are vulnerable. Aren't you thankful he knows? He always knows, right? And he knows that what is about to take place, the arrest, uh, being tried for crimes that he didn't commit, he knew what this would do to the disciples. It would shake them. It would rattle them. Uh, it would mess with their heads and everything they believed or thought that they believed. And in knowing this, in this portion of scripture, Jesus is attempting to prepare them for this. He has never allowed us to go into a situation in our lives. We choose to go into situations not knowing, but he has always gone ahead of us. He's always already given us direction and wisdom. Now it's up to us to adhere to that, to make ourselves available to that, but the Lord always sees to it that he's given us a way out. And, and I'll say this, he's always the way. He's always the way of escape. He's always the way out. So again, he's trying to prepare them. And I pray that you get this tonight, that this passage uh, didn't just pertain to the disciples, but it pertains to each one of us in here tonight. Each one of us in here tonight has something to learn from this passage of scriptures. You see, most Christians only see failure as something that other Christians have and do, right? Not us. Uh, we think that failure could never happen to us, right? A lot of times we get real uh, high-minded of ourselves. We get puffed up and prideful, but we fail to realize the depravity of our own hearts and how low we really could go quickly before we even realize it. It could happen. If it weren't for the grace and the mercy of the Lord, where would any of us in here tonight be? And those that are viewing online or by Facebook, I'll tell you where. We would find ourselves denying we ever knew him if it weren't for the grace 
in the mercy of the Lord, totally abandoning all truth, trust, and hope that we've ever known in knowing him. And yet, isn't that exactly what we do in situations we find ourselves in? Right? I don't know who you are, Lord, because I got this. We deny knowing who he is in the midst of situations in our lives. And the Lord just kind of dropped that in my spirit as I was preparing for this. We deny him when we fail to recognize his authority, his sovereignty in our lives. When we begin to take matters into our own hands, we're denying him denying his will for our life, denying his wisdom, denying his truth. Lord, I don't need you in this. I don't know how you would fit into this because I've got this figured out. That's what we're doing. We, we see Peter did it very outwardly and openly in a physical realm, but spiritually speaking, that's exactly what we do when we fail to submit ourselves unto the Lord, and allow him to have his way in our lives. We deny him. We deny him because we tie his hands. He's always working. He's always wanting to work on our behalf, but we're the ones who stop him. We're the ones who, who take matters into our own hands. So that's what we're going to be facing tonight. Not uh, believing, not trusting, feeling hopeless, denying him. And so my prayer is, Lord, open our hearts tonight in such a way that we will allow your Holy Spirit the freedom to search and to reveal to us the areas that we've denied you in and from in our lives. And I want you to pray that prayer too because we all have areas in our lives that we've kind of denied him in, that we've denied him access to, that we've, we again, tried to take it on, on our own. So let's go ahead and, and read uh, Mark 14, 27 through 31. And Jesus said unto them, All you shall be offended because of me this night. And I want to say this. The spirit of offense will deafen your ears to truth. I'm going to say it again. The spirit of offense, being offended, will deafen your ears to truth. Think about it. Somebody in ministry offends you. Now, they can offend you with the word. They can say something and you just get all offended. And very quickly, if you're not careful, you will find yourself resisting to receive from that person because you're offended. How easily that can happen in our life. Sometimes we get offended at just the style of a person, the way they present things. We, I mean, it's our flesh, it's our human nature to do that. Well, I just don't even like to hear that person. I don't even like to hear their voice. And so our ears are deafened to truth that's coming out of them. The truth of God's word. We got to get this tonight. There's such, there's such a deeper meaning to this. There's so much more to this passage of scripture than what most people see. Most people just scratch the surface and, and they just... Oh, yeah, that was disciples. They, you know, they denied Christ. He told them they would. They did it. But we do it too. And the spirit of offense is a dangerous place to be. Always offended. 
Because what the Lord spoke to me, the spirit of offense will deafen your ears to truth. We've got to get over ourselves. If truth is being spoken, it's our responsibility to listen. Because guess what? Whether you like the person that's speaking the truth or not, you will be held accountable for what you hear. You have to receive truth. We're accountable. We're responsible. We should be responsible to receive truth. So going on, the last part of 27. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. Verse 28. But after that I am risen. There's the prediction, the promise right there. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Peter, staying true to his character, right? Boasting in himself. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, you shall deny me thrice, three times. But he spoke the more vehemently, vehemently, if I should die with you, I will not deny you in any wise. Likewise, also said they all. Now, I hope our minds are in the right place and we're all tracking <laughs> with this because there's a lot for us to learn. I know I, I have to receive it and process it before I give it to you. And, and my eyes were truly opened to this portion of scripture tonight. And so I pray that you are as well. So again, bear in mind the context of this passage. Jesus um, and the disciples had just been in uh, the upper room. They shared a meal together, and now they're headed to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Jesus, again, he knows exactly of the betrayal that he is about to face. He knows the arrest is getting ready to happen. Uh, as they're walking toward the Garden, Jesus makes another statement that just kind of drops on them, hits them like a ton of bricks. And that's verse 27, the first part. He said, and ye shall be offended because of me this night. And now I can imagine the mood amongst those men was probably heavy at that time. The disciples are trying to rationalize what Jesus had just told them, talking about his body being broken and his blood being poured out. And he, he, he totally changed the, the Last Supper for them. He added things. He said, take, eat, for this is my body that is broken for you. Drink this cup. It is my blood that's poured out. And so they're trying to process all of this stuff. Um, and, and they're not getting it again. They were probably walking in silence. But then Jesus broke the silence saying that all of you will be offended because of me this night. And that word offended literally means stumble. It's scandalizo, which is the Greek word for scandal. Um, and there was a song that we used to beautiful scandalous night I can't remember who that was by it's a beautiful song you can look it up but it talks about what a scandal the crucifixion was and and what all that entails and I don't have time to go into that tonight but it means to stumble and fall away uh, from him before the night had actually ended now again this should not have been a surprise to them he told them several times 
several times from the beginning of his teaching in Mark, Jesus is telling them what's going to happen, and yet they failed to believe. Failure to believe will get you in all sorts of trouble. He said it. We believe it. That's that song. If he says it, I want to sing when I say that. <laughs> I can't remember the words, but I'm not singing. And you do not want me singing that song. But it's a good one. But if he says it, we believe it, right? Or we should believe it. He warned each of them that they would stumble in doubt and fear, deserting and abandoning him before the night was over. Well, how does that pertain to us? We weren't there with him. Well, let me ask you this question. How many times have you been in the service? You have been in the very presence of the Lord. And as quickly as you got out those doors, you're already in a total different mindset. Right? You've already abandoned what the Lord has done for you. I mean, if... Connie, we laugh about it all the time. Just stay here in this bubble, right? Just don't leave. We just want to stay here. And I always tell her, no, Connie, because pretty soon we'll start drinking Kool-Aid. We can't do that. <laughs> we, we have to go our separate ways for a little while, right? But we're in the very presence of the Lord. He's touching. He's moving. He's ministering in our lives. We're blessed. We can't thank him enough. And, you know, it's just good. And then we walk out. We get in the car. And then your husband just looks at you wrong, and you're, well, why are you looking at me like that for? Right? It happens just like that. We stumble. We fall. We mess up. We, we let go of what the Lord just blessed us with and, and poured over us and into us so quickly. The enemy is crafty. He knows what he's doing. But again, Jesus always goes before us, he prepares us, and he's given us the Holy Spirit to quicken us when those sharp words are quick to come out of our mouths right after we've been at the altar praising the Lord, right? It happens. I know I'm not the only one. The kids always laugh at me. I can be yelling and screaming at them, and somebody calls, and I answer the phone, hello. This is the house that is just happy all the time. Happy, 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 right? I put on that happy voice. We do that. But we have got to, to lay hold of the things of God. We've got to not let things go as easily as we do. Those, those things that the Lord has blessed us with. He told us we're going to stumble and fall. We know it's coming. But we have a choice to make to get back up again, to respond to the, the drawing of the Holy Spirit, respond to him convicting us and rebuking and reproving us, making us uh, quick to ask for forgiveness or extend forgiveness to maybe ones that we have wronged. The last part of verse 27 we know is a prophecy. It says, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. That's almost a tongue twister. There's a lot of S's in that scripture. But we must remember that Jesus is the living word come to earth in the form of a man. He knew all of the scriptures and the many prophecies regarding his first advent. Jesus reminded them of what Zechariah, Zechariah 13:7, uh, had prophesied concerning this very night. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy. Uh, no, wait. You've got 12, 9. 
I'm sorry, I could have written it down wrong. Zechariah 13, 7, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and will turn mine hand upon the little ones. This prophecy would be fulfilled before the night was over. Before the night was over, this prophecy would be fulfilled. And really, this prophecy is twofold. Uh, we find the smitten shepherd, and we find the scattered sheep in, in this prophecy. And the disciples, again, were unaware of the events that were going to take place. That was going to take place that very night. And Jesus, that Jesus would be betrayed by Judas, arrested and taken and stand uh, trial before the Sanhedrin. Uh, he would be taken before Pilate and Herod who would also smite and abuse the Lord. And by early morning, the next day, Jesus will have been beaten and crucified by Roman soldiers. He would be condemned to death on a Roman cross. That quickly, that fast. The second part of that prophecy, the scattered sheep, Jesus was not the only one described in Zechariah's prophecy, right? He also spoke of those who followed the shepherd being scattered as he was smitten. These men didn't want to hear these words. They uh, didn't want to believe that they would abandon the Lord, but we know this portion of prophecy was fulfilled. And in Mark uh, 14, 50, it actually says, and they all forsook him and fled. They all forsook him and fled. We're talking about the disciples. We're talking about the ones who were with him every day for three and a half years, who saw every miracle, every sign, every wonder. And yet at this hour, at this moment, when the Lord needed them the most, would have thought that they would have stuck by him. They all forsook him, and they all fled. The very phrase, sheep being scattered, talks about the weakening of their faith. They felt doubtful that he was truly the Son of God. Remember, they were still looking for an earthly king to restore Israel, even though they had been told over and over and over again. That's not what I came for. I came to die for the lost. But yet in their minds, they kept thinking, well, no, surely that's not it. Surely we're going to have a king. He's going to bring restoration to Israel. That's what's going to happen. But the good news is they wouldn't remain scattered long. They would be brought back together. Verse 28 he says, but after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. Likely, again, they failed to grasp um, the enormity of this promise, but Jesus wanted to assure them that everything would work out according to the sovereign plan of God. Again, we should take comfort tonight in knowing that he is sovereign, that he has a plan, he has a purpose. He's not up there twiddling his thumbs thinking, what can I do next? What should I do next, right? No, he's had a plan before the foundation of the world. He knew exactly what was going to be going on, and he knew exactly how to handle it. He knew exactly who needed to be where, and 
I mean, our minds can't even begin to comprehend that, but he knows. He always knows. The night and the next few days would be very difficult, but hope was not lost. In this statement, Jesus tells us of his resurrection, the shepherd would be smitten and die, but death would be unable to hold him. Because he said, but after that I am risen. Right? So many times when we are in the midst of what seems to be the lowest place in our lives, the hardest place, we forget what God has told us, what his word promises us. We talked about it yesterday morning in Bible study. Why should we fear when we've placed our lives in the, the hands of the Creator? Why do we doubt? Why do we fear? Because we lose sight of who He is. That's why it's a daily walk. And we have to remind ourselves daily of the promises of God. How do you do that? Read His Word daily. You have to be in this word because if not, you will very quickly, very easily get off track and begin to waver, begin to, to worry and to doubt. Jesus knew death was coming, but it would not be final. Prior to his crucifixion uh, and death, Jesus promised the disciples that he would rise again from dead unto life. But after that, I am risen. He never doubted it for a moment. But they did. Again, failure to believe the word of God puts you in a bad place. It puts you in a place of fear, doubt, worry, uncertainty. When we can, the word tells us, cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us. He's taken away every excuse, every reason for us to fear, worry, and doubt. We know this. We've said it before. There's uh, do not fear or fear not is written in the word of God over 365 times. I don't think that was a coincidence, but I think that was a verse for every day of our life, every day of the year. We don't have to fear. We don't have to worry. He's in control and we can trust him. The second promise that was given would be the restoration. Because after his resurrection, Jesus would meet the disciples again in Galilee. Wouldn't you think they would know, I'm going to make it. I'm going to get through this because the Lord told me that he's going to see me again in Galilee. And if he said it, we believe it. We've got to get that in our heads tonight. He's promised to see us through. And through means you're going to go through some stuff. But you're going to get there. You're going to get to the other side. Just like when the, the waters were troubled and, he, and he's talking about going to the other side. Meaning he already knew they were going to get there. But they had to go through the storm. There are storms in life that each and every one of us have to go through. But that's just it we're going through. It's not our final destination. He has a plan. He has a promise for each and every one of us. They would question their faith during the next couple of days. And in the face of all of this, Jesus revealed that he would meet them again. Their failures would not be final. He would restore their faith. Right? And they would enjoy fellowship 
So tonight we need to remember that we need to hold on. Failure is not final when you're holding on to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Right? In those times that we are at our weakest point, that's when his strength is made perfect. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now, that does not mean... Oh, poor, pitiful me. That means I realize that in and of myself, I have nothing. But in Christ, I have everything that I will ever have need of. Psalm 73 and 26 says, My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We're going we're gonna to make mistakes we're going to get tired. We're going to get worn out. But he's our portion. And we have to continually go to him to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. To renew our, our strength. Right? He's told us all of this. What's our problem? It's us. It's us. It's not him. It's always us. And then Isaiah 40 and 29 says, He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. That, that's like a life verse right there for me that I have to go back to and remind myself over and over again. Summer, it's not your strength. You don't have to be superwoman. You're not superwoman. You can't fly. You don't even have a cape. So stop even trying, right? It's my strength. And if you'll just come to me with a humble heart, I will give you exactly what you need right when you need it. I can tell you he did that for me yesterday when Sawyer come running in the back doors. Mama, the goat's having her babies. And I immediately said, oh, Jesus. Because I don't know how find myself like Scarlett O'Hare. I don't know nothing about birthing no babies, especially goat babies. And I ran and grabbed my kit, my shoestring, my iodine, everything that the vet told me to have. I go running out the back door, and she knows what she's doing. That mama goat just knew. And the sun was shining just like I had asked the Lord, please, Lord, don't let her have it when it's raining and cold because I don't want to be out in the rain and the cold. Had nothing to do with the goat. It was all about me, right? But he heard my cry. And now we got two precious little baby goats over there. It was perfect. But I thank the Lord for that because in that moment I was weak. I didn't know what to do. But he knew. He had a plan. He always does. In verses, well, before I get that, we must acknowledge again the weakness of our flesh and trust in the strength of the Lord. When we think we've got it, I can do that. We are getting ready to fall on our face. Look out. 
right? We have got to acknowledge our weakness before the Lord so that then his strength can come in, right, and, and take over. Verses 29 through 31 uh, talks about Peter's protest. He kind of was like, no, Lord, not me. I'm not going to deny you, right? Uh, he immediately speaks true to his character. Peter felt as usual, that he had to respond to what the Lord said. He didn't like what Jesus had said, right? Uh, after three and a half years of walking beside Jesus, Peter should have known that whatever Jesus said was going to happen. I mean, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. You're, this is what's going to happen. And he says no. How many times do we do that? We know what the Word of God says, but yet we expect something different to take place. We are so, mm, I'm trying to think of a nice word, stubborn, yeah, that's good. But if Jesus said something, that's what's going to happen exactly the way he said it, because he knows all things, right? But Peter was slow to learn. Again, just like each one of us, I think of Sawyer when he was little. That child would not believe anything I told him to the point that he did not think the eye of the burner on the stove was hot. And he climbed up on the cabinet and walked across the stove at the age of two and a half. And what happened to his foot? Well, it melted to the burner. Had to peel his little foot off of it. But I ain't seen him walking across that stove since. I can promise you that. Right? Why don't we believe what's told to us, especially when it's in the Word of God? It's true. We can take it to the bank. There's no error. There's no lies. It doesn't contradict itself. His word is true. But in verse 29, Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Right? We see arrogance. We see self-confidence in Peter. He declared to Jesus, Everybody else is going to offend you and abandon you, Lord. But I would never do such a thing. I'll be faithful Right? No matter what comes my way, Peter thought the other ten might be capable of doing that, uh, betraying the Lord. But he considered himself to be so strong spiritually that he would never deny the Lord. That should be your real red flag right there, if that goes through your mind. Oh, I'll never do that. That'll never be me. You better watch what you say. We better watch it. We think that we're strong in faith, strong in purity, strong in patience. But when temptation arises, we often falter and fail, right? Many criticize, many of those who criticize Peter have never faced the onslaught of Satan as Peter did. Can you imagine? I mean, most of you have probably watched The Passion of the Christ. And in that moment watching them running all around and soldiers coming in. I mean, think about what, what you would have done. It's your life at stake at that very moment. It was his life that was at stake. But before all that happened, I'm good. 
I'll, I'll be with you, Lord. But when the accusers came in and threatened his life, that was a whole different story, right? We, we know that few of us uh, have ever faced that kind of persecution. Sometimes we hear about a brother or sister that's failed and we should immediately realize that when somebody's talking about that, a failure of another brother and sister in Christ, it's gossip and we should shut it down as quickly as we possibly can and not continue on in that. The word tells us of that. But if you actually think that you have information about a failure of somebody that's a brother and sister in the Lord, you still don't know what spiritual warfare that one is facing. You don't know what they're going through. So we've got to watch ourselves and kind of come down off of our pedestal and thinking we're so spiritual and high and mighty. I know my dad used to say it. He works downtown Charlotte a lot, and he would see all these people in $1,000 suits walking around and how they would turn up their noses at the homeless. And he said, truth be told, they're probably one paycheck away from a backpack themselves, right? We just don't, we don't know what people have gone through to be in the place that they're in. But we should be praying that the one that redeemed our lives, the one that forgave our sin, he's the one that can do the same for that one. We shouldn't find ourselves or put ourselves in a position of throwing stones and, and putting our foot on their neck and keeping them down, saying, I knew you would fail, right? Because a lot of Christians do that. But God, forgive us. Let us be sensitive to the Lord. Remember, if the Lord placed you in the same circumstance, would you do even better? I think of Eve often. And I can just see myself with that apple or whatever fruit it was, just biting down on it. Right? Would have been me. I would have fallen. Fallen for it. Not one of us is above failure. Above temptation. We have to keep that in our minds. We tend to see the faults and failures of others and yet never realize that we are capable of the same goes back to the plank-eyed saints. So easy for us to pick and tear apart other people. But search me, oh God. Create in me a clean heart, right? Renew a right spirit in me. Verse 30, and Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this day, even in this night before the cock crow twice, thrice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And as you study the Gospels, it becomes more evident uh, that Peter had no problem arguing with the Lord. He argued with the Lord a lot. We've been through this, been through these scenarios. Rather than humbly listening to the Lord and seeking to grow in his faith and learn from him, Peter questioned Jesus, and he basically refused the advice, the counsel that he offered but guess what? Jesus understood Peter. He knew Peter's heart. He knew his tendencies. And he continued to reason with him. He continued to be patient with him. Aren't you thankful that the Lord is patient with us? That he's long-suffering because 
He should have written me off a long time ago. He should have said, I'm done with you. This, enough's enough, Summer. This has happened one too many times. I'm through with you. But yet, each and every time, he was just standing there with open arms. Dylan, come, come on, come back. Let me help you again. We're going to get this, right? Patient, so patient with us. So, uh, having heard the protest of Peter, assuming that he would never deny the Lord, Jesus affirmed that Peter would deny him that very night. Peter would not deny that he knew Jesus just once, but he would deny that he knew Jesus three times. Peter would have done well to have been more attentive, seeking to learn from Jesus instead of denying what Jesus revealed. There's those people that you have, I'm sure, in your life that always just want to argue. They just want to be right. And you're like, I'm not even here to argue. I'm, this is the word. There's nothing to argue, but yet they always find an argument in it instead of just receiving what the Lord says and learning and growing from it. We say it all the time. The moment you become unteachable, you become unusable. The Lord can't do anything with you. Mark reveals an interesting aspect of Peter's denial. He cautioned Peter that before the rooster crowed twice, Peter would deny Jesus three times. And if Peter had been listening instead of being argumentative, he would have picked up on the warning of his denial, right? Jesus said the cock would crow twice before de uh, Peter denied him three times. The first time the cock crowed should have. Oh, wait a minute. Something sounds familiar here. Deja vu, right? I've heard this before, right? He, sh he should have been awakened to that. It was a warning that he was in the act of betrayal. How many times have we gotten ourselves in a situation and the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, but yet we push it down, right? Peter would have done well, again, to, to listen, but he was so adamant in his own defense that he didn't even pick up on what Jesus was saying. Now, the Lord doesn't provide a rooster to follow us around these days, although I've had a couple roosters. Sounding the alarm when we're close to falling, but we have something greater than a rooster. We have the Holy Spirit, and we need to listen to the Holy Spirit warning us, guiding us, and what does he guide us into? All truth. He's, the Holy Spirit's never going to lead us in the wrong direction. We're the only ones who take ourselves in the wrong direction. He never leads us in the wrong di direction. The Spirit is faithful to convict and to caution us when we are in danger of slipping. But a lot of times, we're like Peter, and we ignore the warnings. We ignore what the Lord is telling us. I've told you this story before. I've taken the kids to the park, and they're all excited when they were younger. Noah was on his bicycle, you know, wanting to ride the trails. And I got out of the car, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, get back in the car. You don't need to be out on this trail with the kids. 
Now, I could have let the kids screaming and crying, but mom, you promised. But I don't know what was on that trail. But I know the Holy Spirit said, get back in the car. And I did. Thank the Lord. I don't know what would have happened. But it's not worth risking when you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to do or not to do something. Because you don't know what lies around the corner, but he does. And we've got to be sensitive to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. You can trust the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. You can't trust Waze or Siri or whatever, GPS. It will take you on some crazy roads. We were on them in West Virginia, one called Possum Holler. Y'all know where that is. <laughs> Back behind that little old church up through there in Helvetia. We about died. <laughs> but we... But we've trusted that GPS voice because it was so nice. And turn right here. Well, there's a big cliff, but if you say so, right? I mean, we trust that voice more so than we trust the voice of the Holy Spirit. What's our problem? We, we've got to trust the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. I laugh, I think about poor Rhonda Morris, and I'm trying to close, but that's how she got into a wreck years ago because her GPS said proceed to route. Even though there was a red light in front of her, she kept going and had a wreck. She was listening to the voice of the GPS rather than the clear red stoplight in front of her. How many times do we do that? And then we blame the Lord. Lord, I can't believe you got me into this. How did this happen? Because you failed to listen to my voice when I told you what was going to happen. Maybe even other people came and, and confirmed and told you what was going to happen, but yet you knew better. We don't know better. Not one of us knows better than the Lord. Verse 31, Peter continues to speak and he says, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. They all said that, refusing to hear and heed the warning of Jesus. He argued, again, that even though all the other ones might, he wouldn't do that. Hearing and seeing the boldness of Peter, the other ten, two joined in and said that they wouldn't. But this was easy to say in the quietness of the moment, right? Apart from the crowd that would come to accuse and arrest Jesus. And as you read further in the Gospels, and we don't have time for that tonight, you discover that Peter's failure, thank the Lord, was not final. But he did fail, nonetheless. But before the night was over, Peter denied that he knew Jesus. In fact, he would even resort to cursing in an effort to convince his accusers that he had no dealings with this condemned man. And that's found, and we'll hit it later on, Mark 14, 71, it says, But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. How quickly he turned, right? Jesus had warned of the denial to come, but Peter and the others refused to believe that they would ever stoop so low as to do such a thing. But the warning of Jesus was fulfilled just as he proclaimed. Just as much as his warnings are uh, fulfilled, his promises are too. 
Hold on to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen and trust the truth of God's word tonight. I can't say that enough. I'm thankful that our failures aren't final when we belong to the Lord. Aren't you thankful that your failures aren't final? We've all have felt at times that, you know, this, is, this would never happen to me. And at that moment, we're at our weakest point and prone for failure. But when you feel that, you should seek the Lord to guard your life. Matthew 26 and 41. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I totally forgot, but the title for tonight is The Weakness of Flesh and the Truth of His Word. Because our flesh is, is weak. We are weak in and of ourselves, but God is good. We live in a body of flesh, again, that's prone to sin and failure. And not one of us is above stumbling in the faith, right? But if we do fall, praise the Lord, all we have to do is ask for forgiveness. First John 1 and 19, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? Have you heard the rooster crow? Maybe even this week. And by that, I mean, has the Holy Spirit convicted you maybe of some things, warned you of some things, situations that you could be walking into? Because he will give you warning. That's what his Holy Spirit's for. And if you've confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you. All we have to do is listen to it. So tonight, as you stand, again, as we, in the beginning, my prayer was that the Holy Spirit would just come, that it would search us, that it would reveal to us any area in our lives that maybe we've denied him, that maybe we've kept from him. So as the music plays, I just want to invite you down to these altars to pray, to seek the Lord for just a minute or two, and just allow him to speak to your heart tonight. So won't you come?
Lord. You formed us in our mother's wombs. There's nothing that's hidden from you, Lord. God, I pray that those things, Lord, that your Holy Spirit has stirred up in our hearts tonight, Lord, and will continue to stir up as they come to the surface, Lord. We don't try to put on a, a brave face or, or act like we've got it all together, but that we immediately lay it at your feet, Lord, and allow you to change us, to make us, to, to mold us to be more like you. Humble, Lord. Keep us humble, Lord, at the, the foot of your cross, Father. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that you've poured out time and time again over our lives, Lord. We could never deserve it, and yet you freely give it over and over again. I pray that you would bless each one that's here, each one that's viewing, God, that you would just move mightily in their lives, Lord, on behalf of situations, Lord, that are weighing heavy on their hearts, Lord. Touch them tonight, Lord. Bring us all back together safely, Lord, on Sunday, God. Expecting, Lord, great things for you just to be gathered together in your house. We'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Don't forget tomorrow, have a little talk with Jesus at 1 and girls' Bible study.